Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. spooky introduction there sort of on your part i think it's more because i've got a cold and i have a raspy voice as a result Mm. i mean you seem to have a cold in our last episode as well which was definitely not recorded earlier this afternoon (sighs) the magic of podcasting exactly so what are we podcasting about today well it's still october it's still the spookiest month of the year if you don't include if you're not afraid of Christmas. If you're not afraid of Christmas or, <laughs> I don't know... January. <laughs> <laughs> we are covering the film Stay Alive, which is a video game featuring slash video game inspired slasher ghost horror spooky film. Yeah, that's the genre. That's the section you'll find it in your HMV. Well, it says it contains strong fantasy horror, so... Yeah. Well, it's nice to do a horror film, an actual horror film, not a action-adventure film like uh, Resident Evil sort of is. Uh, what was the last horror film we did? Can't remember. We seem to do plenty of them, but I, mean, I guess it's just... I don't tend to really watch too many ghosty horror slasher movies hmm. in general, because obviously there's things like The Conjuring, Insidious... Annabelle, which is a Conjuring spin-off, right? The yeah. Nun, which is Insidious spin-off. So there's all um. these films which are obviously, <laughs> you know, they're very popular. They're packing them in still. Mm. But a lot of them just slipped me by. I didn't really have any interest. Like, Ghosts aren't real. <laughs> can't possibly I'm, scare me. I'm only interested in real things like vampires and werewolves. Exactly. Um, I had no idea what this film was about. The poster and the video box sort of depicts... Looks like BDSM or something. Just two handcuffed hands grabbing a generic non-Microsoft, non-Sony, non-Nintendo controller. Sega then. Sega. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it has more of a look of a sort of hostile, hmm, torture was, porn style film. Yeah, I absolutely believe this was kind of a torture porny type film. Because I guess 2006 is when this came out and... You know, that's sort of post or... No, that's around the time of Saw, at mm. least. Post-hostel, Circus Saw. Um, I saw Saw in my first year at university, which was in 2004. Mm, I fucking hated that film. I quite enjoyed oh, it. Oh, everyone seems to like Saw. I liked I, the first one at the cinema. It was nuts. So I'm the opposite. I really hated the first one, and I found the second one... Kind of trashier, but kind of fun, more fun because of it. It was set in like a deadly crystal maze. Well, I think the first film was also trashy, but in a different way. But I think it was trashy in a badly made way. Mm. There is a car chase sequence where they clearly... 
didn't have the money to do a car chase, so the camera just whips at a stationary car really quickly. Yeah. There's all kinds of hilarious. <laughs> oh, I really didn't like it, but... Isn't that sort of Danny Glover driving yes. really fast in a warehouse while they put smoke machines around the stationary mm-hmm. van? He is still too old for this shit, <laughs> and he has been for many decades. But um, stay alive. It turns out, guess what? It's not a torture porn film. It is like a spooky ghost house I don't know how to describe it, It actually. is a spooky ghost house. It is a spooky ghost house of a it's, film. It's not a ghost house production no. film. It's actually a Disney production, making it Disney's only slasher film. Apparently so. Well... Do you count this as a slasher film? I mean, well, people die. The thing is, is that it's it's part, it was produced by Hollywood Pictures. It was their first film under that banner in five years, which is a mm. subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. They rejected so, so many quality scripts. <laughs> but there's, it, to an extent, I guess this is Disney's only slasher film, but it depends whether you count Dimension films, which I think it's also part of the Disney family at the time, and they did the Scream movies, for instance. Mm, so okay. yeah. I don't know how officially it is. I don't think Disney were like saying, Disney's first slasher movie. Mm. There's not like a stay alive section of the Disneyland Well, store. you know, once they've finished Galaxy, uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, <laughs> they can move on to uh, the Stay Alive arcade. Oh, I saw today pictures uh, of Super Nintendo World. <gasps> Just, it's being constructed at the moment, but, mm. sorry, sidebar, but Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan in Osaka, they're currently building it behind the Jaws ride. Um, and you can see already like big uh, Mario hills and question mark blots wow. and a big Mario checkpoint flag. And it's just like, oh, it's really happening. Mm, it's literally something uh, I fantasized about, uh, like a Nintendo land. And I imagine in the food halls, it'd be just mushroom exclusive <laughs> catering. Um, well, lots of pasta and meatballs. No, mushrooms. You never... We, we assume... I mean, you're being a bit racist because you're assuming that Mario, being an Italian plumber, loves pasta and stuff. But I'm he only more... ever is observed to eat mushrooms and fire flowers. I'm merely thinking of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which mm. I don't know whether that is part of the Nintendo canon. Unlikely. I mean, as, until he shows up in Smash Brothers, I don't think you can count it as canon. <laughs> which is sad. Fingers crossed still. They said they were going to announce more characters and, you know... Skins, I no doubt. There is still time. <laughs> skins. I just imagine skins hanging off hooks like and stay alive. I mean, uh, so, yeah, spooky film. Spooky film. Um, Well, spooky film is the category it's in. How, <laughs> spooky sp- film. how spooky it is, is, uh, well, remains to be seen. I've all, I mean, I, rem- I distinctly remember seeing this poster, this DVD box, and so I've always kind of wanted to watch it, even though I just said I was avoiding it because it's torture porn. I was curious, I suppose. How do you turn video gaming into sort of a real-world horror film? We're going to find out in the preceding minutes of this podcast. The film uh, is directed by William Brent Bell, who has since gone on to make The Devil Inside and The Boy. Mm, I haven't seen either of those. And The Boy 2 which I think is about a possessed doll. All of them are about possessed dolls. There's mm. dolls in this film. Yeah. Dolls, 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 dolls. I mean, unpossessed dolls are freaky enough. Well, I guess that's what they're going for, just like 
clowns and scarecrows oh, and Chucky all other things. Is obviously the definitive one. The definitive possessed doll, but he knows when to tell a joke. <laughs> yeah, I um I recently saw the the Chucky Child's Play remake with Mark Hamill doing the voice. It was pretty good. It was um pretty good. <laughs> uh, the distinction was, I mean, this is mild spoilers for Child's Play, but the in the original Child's Play, it's a doll who is possessed by a serial killer. In Child's Play Remake, it is a kind of artificially intelligent doll which goes wrong. So it's a, it's a slight but important distinction. A little wrinkle to update it for mm. modern viewers. Yeah. And this film, Stay Alive, um, there's a possessed video game somehow. Well, I guess the thing is, is yeah, it's like <laughs> a ghost story film but with the trappings of video games surrounding it. I guess... You could say it's similar to how in Ring, mm. uh, it's all about a videotape, but somehow captures the spirit of a dead That's ghost true. girl. You don't get Sadako like setting up a tripod and filming herself <laughs> for a spooky video, do you? No. It so, just sort of bleeds into the analog tape. Yeah. And so I guess part of that is that there's this sort of legend and ghost story and it somehow finds a new medium in mm. which to... I mean, I guess a little bit like how in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, it transfers from board game to video game to appease contemporary, at least at the time, tastes. Yes, skipping right to the end. Um, Spoilers for Stay Alive, (laughs) by the way. Yeah, they they do say how um, this evil countess vowed she would be back, and then I sort of added to to the dialogue... She'll be back on fire video game. That's what she pronounced. Remember the Countess Elizabeth Bathory? She's back in video game form. <laughs> and if she sells well, there'll be a sequel. <laughs> and there's some DLC as well coming up. That's sort of a very tired modern video game joke. DLC. <laughs> it stands for Deadly... Lady Countess. Lady Countess. <laughs> Deadly Lady Countess. That's, uh, that's going to be her name, DLC. Uh, I guess other notable um, behind-the-scenes, let's just say, uh, producer Mick G, mm-hmm. director of Charlie's Angels and the, the Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Yeah, what's he done recently? I think he's done some things. <laughs> Terrible things. Well, Termi- Terminator Salvation, oh. we mentioned Terminator on yeah, uh, the previous episode when we were talking about... I think he has done some TV Logan. stuff or... Well, post-Terminator Salvation, there was This Means War, the Chris Pine versus Tom Hardy for the affections of Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah, everyone forgot about that. Yeah. Most recently, he's directed a couple films for Netflix, The Babysitter and Rim of the World. I think I've heard Rim of the World is okay. (laughs) Good job, Mick G. Good job, Mick G. Well, he was just uh, producing this particular film. Mm. Uh, the other name in the credit which jumped out to me was video game consultant Cliffy B. Cliffy B, a.k.a. Cliff Blazinski, was formerly of Epic Games mm. and um, was involved with Unreal Tournament and Gears of War, I guess is his most well-known title. Yeah, because in this film... Everyone's playing this video game called Stay Alive. And I must admit, I really enjoyed the video game sections. I think it's one of the best depictions Mm. 
of a video game in a movie. Yeah. And I think not just in terms of the game itself looks like a potential game, possibly, mm. but also I think... I'd play it. Yeah, and I, I think the way the game is framed and the way they talk about the game and the sort of tech, it has a bit more attention to detail. It seems like it's the people who made... by gamers. Yeah, it seems the people who made this film understood and appreciated video games and not so much as to have an issue about let's make about a video game which kills people because, you know, video game violence and all this kind of stuff is... It's all separate issue i don't think this yes. film is plowing that yeah, video path. games don't kill people rory video <laughs> games cause people to kill people that's yeah. what they're trying okay. to say that's the distinction <laughs> but yeah I, I i thought it just sort of captured the kind of game that it's it's sort of trying to emulate basically mm. so shall we get stuck in or was there anything yes. else we want to say um no i think we should get stuck in and think um see if we survive the podcast yes because the tagline for this film is, you die in the game, you die for real. Shall I read this then? Yeah. Yeah, I'm holding it. After the mysterious, brutal death of an old friend, a group of teenagers find themselves in possession of Stay Alive, a next-generation horror survival video game based on the spine-chilling true story of a 17th-century noblewoman known as the Blood Countess. The gamers don't know anything about the game other than they are not supposed to have it, and they are dying to play it. Not able to resist temptation, the group begin to play the grisly game, and soon a thrilling connection is made. They are each being murdered one by one in the same method as the character they played in the game. As the line between the game world and the real world disappears, the group must find a way to defeat the vicious and murderous Blood Countess, all the while trying to stay alive. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Stay alive? Never heard of it. Yeah, this could be nice. Sweet Sebastian Bach, I want to play. Miller, you signed in yet? I'm here. All right, let's boot it up. The name of this game is Stay Alive. We don't know much else other than we're not supposed to have it. Whoa. Did you guys feel that? Hell yeah. Oh, what's that? What's that? Damn it, man, she got me. Some, some, some woman, man. Hey, somebody out there? Miller, who are you talking to, man? You play the game too long. You know, you start seeing stuff. Hello? Miller died the same way he died in the game. This can't just be a coincidence. I think you're right. Serious, man? Listen to yourself. Don't you get it? If you die in the game, you die for real. out there hey oh, the games become a reality my god
I did not know this countess was real. I mean, I, I've, I've heard of what she called Countess Dracula. I've heard that sort of thing. But um, yeah, apparently, um, what's her name again? The Countess Elizabeth Bathory. She was actually based in Hungary, and she is a Guinness World Record holder. Oh, good. Did she get? <laughs> did she get a certificate? She got a little plaque. <laughs> there was a little ceremony. She holds the Guinness World Record uh, for the. She's the most prolific female murderer. As oh, in good. a female who murders. Are you sure it's a Guinness World Record or not just a world record? It's in the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, good. There's a section for that. That is murderers. The number is in dispute to how many people she killed. But when she was tried, the highest number they could come up with was six, like over 600. Oh, okay. Was that as far as they could count yes, back in they those had, days? Yes, they hadn't invented numbers beyond that yet. <laughs> So yeah. I'm sure all those victims would be honoured to discover that their their tragic deaths are sort of just window dressing for this uh, teen slasher movie. Yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot of media inspired by the legend. I mean, the idea of killing young girls and bathing in their blood for eternal youth and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff is... I guess, utilised in other sort of horror movie mm. tropes, etc. And Lush. Lush. <laughs> the Lush bath bombs. Oh, right. Is that what they were based on? made out of, Virgin's Blood. Is it because she's called Elizabeth Bathory? Or is it Bathory? I don't know. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth assuming Bathory bombs. <laughs> Dear me. Uh, yeah, so I guess this is like utilising an existing story hmm. and legend and you know updating it for a modern 2006 audience oh, like yeah. we are this film is over 10 years old it's boggling back when malcolm in the middle had not long finished um i did not expect this film to be creepy i found the opening especially a little bit unnerving and I'm not a fan of CGI horror monsters, but the whole point of this film is that they're kind of from a video game. So it has, it utilises this uncanny valley-ish thing and you just have this in the in the background, in the shadows, this completely rigid video game character in the real world. So it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but just a little bit less scary. <laughs> you see ghosts, you see the Countess and... They are sort of like there, but not there because Mm. they're computer generated and don't quite fit like they should be there. But that's sort of either a happy coincidence Mm. and they were just not very good visual effects. Or I'd like to think it's deliberately playing with the idea like a ghostly presence. It's not quite there, but also there. And it sort of works. One of the best spooky ladies in cinema we name checked earlier you know sadako from uh ringu or the ring and they go through a lot of um went through a lot of effort to make her movements unnatural they'd film her backwards and things like that uh, and so you've got this unnatural movement in these cgi characters they, they just don't move right and, and so there's always that thing when you get uh, someone in a spooky ghost costume. You can tell they're just an actor in a spooky ghost costume. But this is just a little bit different and a little bit unnerving. And I I think just seeing her, her like spooky CGI white pasty face with completely black eyes, save for just a, tw- a 
sort of dead light right at the far recesses of the sockets. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't want to go to bed tonight. We're recording this after midnight. Mmm. I did find the person who we are first introduced to who then gets murdered. He looked a bit like a young Rolf Harris, which perhaps explains why I was equally unnerved. Well, it's uh, a character of, by the name of Loomis Crowley, mm. which is, I guess, like a mix between Dr. Loomis from Halloween and Alistair Crowley. Um, Renowned occultist. Mm. But Crowley is portrayed by Milo Ventimiglia, mm-hmm. who is perhaps best known for Heroes as the lead character in Heroes. Oh, it's the guy who flies Nathan Petrelli. Oh, right, I didn't realise, yeah. Like or I said, Peter Petrelli. No. I, I think it's Peter Petrelli. Peter Petrelli, yeah. And more recently in This Is Us, which is another popular drama series. I read that he um, had to drop out of Dead or Alive to be in this film. Uh, do you think he would have played the hacker nerd in DOA Dead or Alive? I would like to think so. Because I guess he was sporting that look, because he's wearing glasses and got a beard. You know, nerd. Fortune smiled and gave us the perfect actor for Dead or Alive. So it all turned out right. That guy. That that guy who I can't remember. (laughs) But, you know, he's probably the best actor in this, because in any horror film, it's the performance of fear which really sells it, and he seems effing terrified as he's creeping around his house. He's been spending the evening playing, he's of beta testing the Stay Alive video game, and, uh, yeah, we're introduced to it, mostly via first-person view, and it's a pretty fucking scary video game. The front of the it's set in this plantation, which is absolutely the House of the Dead from the video game House of the Dead. Yeah, the I way... I recognise that. The way the sort of camera view perspective in the video game goes along the uh, long driveway with the big trees and there's the sort of fountain and things, it just looks mm. very much like the opening of the original House of the Dead arcade game. Probably more like House of the Dead than the actual House of the mm. Dead movie. I, I think what's also makes Stay Alive the game in the film Stay Alive reminiscent of other horror games. I think there's the fact that the character that Loomis is playing as with the trench coat and things looks quite a bit like Alone in the Dark. Mm. And the camera angles, while some of it's in first person and some of it's in third person, it kind of switches between the two. But there's a few shots which I guess are reminiscent of the static camera angles as in Alone in the Dark and Resident Evil. I think what it reminded me of was there's quite a lot post-indie game boom of sort of horror games where you're Mm. kind of stalking around like a creepy old house. There's things like Layers of Fear... I was playing, Amnesia, etc. I was playing a game called, I think, Granny on my phone, which is oh. like, which is like a 3D um, house exploring game, and there's just this other character sort of walking around, which is a creepy granny. And <laughs> sometimes you just randomly step on floorboards, and you'll hear her go, "I'm coming for you," and it's shitty pants scary. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely captures the spirit of horror video games one thing which is a bit confusing about this opening sequence is that um loomis he's uh, walking down the corridor of his house he peeks into one of the bedrooms and his mate is having sex with a girl while his while wearing a pig mask 
I think this was the director's attempt to sort of Stanley Kubrick it up a notch with the yeah. whole like you know bear in a hotel room thing. There's a pig head in Saw, isn't it? Like really? someone's wearing like a pig head. I don't want to spend too much time on this bit because the film absolutely breezes past it. Mm. But just to unpack it for a brief moment, this purports that this girl, one of her turn-ons, is to be sexed by a man with a pig mask. Pig man? Hmm. Everyone, I mean... She's making the bestiality out of it, I suppose. <sighs> I that, that came right out of my back pocket. I'm very proud of that. Don't harsh on other people's kinks. Hmm. If they're not hurting anyone and it's consensual. I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's the very rules I live by. If it doesn't hurt anyone, it's fine. I mean, just leave them. They're making bacon. Oh, God. They're pigs in blankets. Yeah, that Um, too. So, he's playing the game, Stay Alive, but not very well, it seems. Like, I guess as as a beta tester... How many times do you think he's played it? I think this must be his first playthrough because he gets to a stage where suddenly all the scary ghosts start appearing. You have ghosts climbing down the walls. Mm. You have little ghosts running after and you have the crimson dressed ghost, the blood countess herself, and she pushes him, the character, off a balcony and the character lands on a sort of hook or gets strangled by a chain, and it's game over. And did you notice, just after he got the game over, there was a little face... I did. ...appearing in the background? Mm. And this is accompanied by this sort of vibration distortion sounds. It sounds like a robot farting, and... I thought it was more like a mobile phone vibrating, but fine. <laughs> well, maybe my mobile phone farts when somebody's ringing it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I the sound design definitely helps. And though a lot of it's cliched, it's thunder and lightning and things. It affects me, you know. It's scary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did notice the face. Um, that is That doesn't really happen again, though. There's a lot of shadows in the background. That stuff I do appreciate. But I think that was the last one and only bit of um, sort of perception subversion. Well, he makes a phone call to our main character, Hutch, and says that what he's been playing is the sickest shit since Fatal Frame. Mm, that's a name drop. Sure. it's, it's... L- Later on, there's a character called Abigail, and she's got a really old camera. And apparently that's based on the camera from Fatal Frame. But still, just means the director or the writer just really dug Fatal Frame. Yeah, I or maybe it's a coincidence and they just needed someone with a cool old camera as their the hipster. Only, yeah, it's the only camera I could afford. <laughs> How was it? I played this new game called Stay Alive. Seriously, man, sick of shit since Fatal Frame. It was creepy. Real creepy. But, uh, you, uh, you, you gonna, you gonna make it over here? Can you come over? You wanna come over? Dude. Look, I'll come up this weekend. We'll burn it solid. I'll just, I'll see you this weekend. Like. So the, the rub is, the whole point of this film is, you die in the same way that you died in the game. 
it takes the other characters quite a long time to figure this out. I thought surprisingly quickly because like after like two deaths, they've kind of understood the gist of it. Okay, well, I, I think maybe it was so. after one of them fell onto a, into a lava pit. <laughs> or am I thinking of a different game? <laughs> <laughs> we opened the manhole cover and there's lava down there that's what happens if it wasn't stay alive but it was like a platform game like hmm. Mario or something it would be like oh they fell into some quicksand yeah the, or... the, creep, the creepy countess kind of locked out by uh, inhabiting a creepy game yeah because... good job countess yeah. well done for matching been... your particular passions with your material mm, could have been Sonic Team Racing or something <laughs> yeah they all get like hit by Hedgehogs driving cars. <laughs> I guess this is a good point to mention how there are two distinct versions of this film. There is a director's cut, or at least an expanded edition. We watched the original DVD version, and from what I can gather from looking at the deleted scenes slash bonus levels, as we like to call them, kind of a lot of content is missing which might have explained some things. Now, I'm, I, I'm loathe to always want things explained, don't get me wrong. I kind of don't mind how it doesn't get explained, but one can't help but wonder how did this game get made? What was the deal? And I think some of the bonus levels describe that. Certainly we saw a scene with a developer or something, is that right? Yeah, basically, a little bit later, they're trying to work out the uh, provenance of the video game, and they manage to track down an address, and they go to the address for the games company, and yeah, in the unrated director's cut edition, they meet the developer, and... He lives on 666 Nintendo Drive. Ooh, (laughs) spookiest address in the world. (laughs) This version that we watched didn't really go into much detail about the game how it came to be it just sort of tracks down the history of the blood countess elizabeth bathory and there's also another bonus level slash deleted scene where they meet um a writer played by alice krieger aka the bald queen and also features in silent hill Mm -hmm. and she explains a little bit more about the backstory about the elizabeth bathory uh, legend and how she would kill girls and bathe in their blood there are a few gaps in terms of like the hows and whys, but I don't know if it's necessarily missing. I think the main thing is that the unrated director's cut, it has more blood, it has more swears, it has more nudity. And, and it has plot holes so big you can't see them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, th- I think the problem is, is that this film was certainly cut down for its release, and I guess it was released as a PG-13 then in the States, because I think it's meant to be the R-rated edition, the director's cut, in certain capacity, and it's meant to be the original directorial vision. But the thing is, is that whenever you get cut-down versions of films when they're released in America to reach PG-13, over here they still get released as 15 certificates mm. anyway, so it matters not a jot. I felt I was watching a grown-up film. It's like that Once Upon a Deadpool thing where it's just like, let's do Deadpool 2 without the swears. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's fine, but it's still going to be a 15 in the UK because it's still really violent. Yep. Different different, uh, takeaways in different parts of the world. Yeah. But you know what? I don't think I missed much blood. I felt the tone was quite grim and I felt... I, I felt... The fear a little bit. Maybe it's just I'm a big pussy. I think it's more just like when there's 
deaths and when there's bloody scenes, it shows snapshots mm. and it quickly cuts. And I guess in the director's cut, the camera lingers longer on the blood. We were forced to use our imaginations and the pause button <laughs> <laughs> to get the full horror. So Loomis, yeah, he kind of wakes up, has a nightmare and starts seeing these shadows. And you get this like stop scream noise that yeah. anytime a ghost appears, just a little girl scream. <laughs> Just imagine if it sounded exactly like that and it sounds like you. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be creepy for a different reason. Mm. Uh, But yes, what happens in the game happens to real. He finds his friends who apparently had been playing the game earlier. They're dead in a bloody bedroom mess. And then he gets chased up some stairs, falls through the balcony and gets hung on a big chain. Mm. Accidental death. <laughs> yes, the, death by misadventure, maybe. Well, what did the cops write it off as? Um, I think murders. Do they do it's murders? Yeah. I, I feel like... Mm, okay. They, the, the cops in this film seem kind of not that bothered. It's well, just more work for them. I sort of admired how they, the main characters quite quickly decide to try and convince the cops that what's all this crazy stuff that happening is true. Because I think too often in films, it's like, we can't tell the cops because they'll think we're crazy. They take and us in, to a sane asylum or something. Yeah. And Study in this, us. And in this film, it's just like, I'm going to tell you this. I know it's crazy and also incriminates me, but I need mm. to let you know. And uh, I guess like the main detective is played by Wendell Pierce, mm-hmm. aka the bunk from The Wire. I know. It's so good to see him. Well, it, it does have some interesting cast members hmm. we have frankie muniz i see the video box shows no characters on the front so i thought he was going to be the main character and i was spending the first 10 minutes thinking gosh he really grew up <laughs> i was looking at the wrong actor hutch mm-hmm. is played by john foster who apparently his brother ben foster the more famous of the foster brothers i suppose was originally cast and Decided, no, 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 John, you take this one. I'm going to go star in some proper films. (laughs) Well, actually, I mean, he did end up in Warcraft, but that's for another tale. Yeah, according to IMDb, he suggested his brother because he was better for the role. Yeah. (laughs) Not because, I'm not going to star in this shit. You're you're better for this. You're better for this. You're much better than me for this kind of material. (laughs) Um, And Hutch has a bunch of friends, I guess. And hangers on. (laughs) Hangers on. I think... The, the the love interest, which is a phrase I hate, but the lady uh, Abigail, she they they have a meet cute at a funeral. Yeah, it's a bit odd because she's, she's taking like the, photos of sad people. She's the manic pixie dream girl slash photographer mm. in that film. It's just like I'm gonna go to this funeral and be all quirky and take pictures of sad people. And hello, my name is Abigail. <laughs> if somebody was taking photographs of me and sort of flirting with me. At the funeral of one of my best friends, I would tell them to fuck off. Yeah. And doing it with an old camera as well. Did you not think, because Abigail later on, she has like a really shifty bat story. Mm. And they're like, oh, so tell us more about yourself. And she's like, oh, you know, just like my dad's an architect and uh, I'm going to Princeton. And she's like, her eyes are like avoiding contact. And I've spent the rest of the film thinking, 
oh, is she like the Countess for real? Is she like <laughs> the Countess reborn? Because it's weird that like she's the only character no one knows and then is sort of introduced and she's giving a kind of hazy backstory and later on everyone else has like visions and terrifying stuff happens to them apart from her. Mm. We don't see anything happen to her. So I was thinking, oh, I didn't oh my notice God, that. Abigail must be like the actual countess and she's leading them to their doom. I no, nope. turns can... out she's just <laughs> a liar and well, yeah, that's it. I can imagine like in a writer's room they would suggest some amazing twist like that, but I quite liked how the evil countess was just an evil countess. When she was describing her background, I, I thought that perhaps just her character profile, which you write before you do the script, had some, somehow fallen into the script pages. Because it mm. was just like, I uh, my blood type is this. My mm. parents are this. We also meet October, who's like the gothy one. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's October right now. So, ooh. ooh. Perfect timing. She's sort of antagonistic towards uh, Abigail. I guess as anyone would be, because, again, Hutch picked her up at a funeral. Yeah. And then invited her to his kind of morning morning video game session as an M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Yeah. Well, she was also a friend of one of the other victims. Uh, okay. But still, it I... was like, do you do funerals for three people at once if they all died in the same murder? Um... <laughs> Yes, that's a very good point. Uh, the answer is a categorical no, unless they're like family. Yeah, I don't. I hope he, that guy was buried in his pig mask. <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. Hmm. And we also have her brother Phineas, played by Jimmy Simpson, who is probably best known at the moment for Westworld. He was one of the McPoyles in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He also popped up in the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. This actually, um, this film seems a bit like a Black Mirror episode, but with the middle missing. It's just like the the, 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 the what happens and the how happens, but not the why. But maybe that's the most terrifying thing. Hmm, I don't know how I feel about Phineas. I found him quite entertaining to watch, but also gross. Yeah, he's your sleazy, sets-obsessed nerd mm. he's the kind of person you hear people say oh every group of friends has one but i don't want to be part of that group of friends and if you don't think you have one you're him because he licks controllers in the film and then he passes it to frankie munitz i did enjoy his performance and there's some kind of nice bits of dialogue actually here and there but he's definitely i think what he's doing is he's doing a very good job at portraying a rather odious character. Mm. So I think it's a good performance because I don't think we're meant to be so in love with him. I think we're meant to be a little bit repulsed by him. If Loomis was indeed testing this game, that means it is barely legal. Yeah, this could be nice. Everybody likes to touch something for the first time. You know, I actually get a boner in moments like these. It's kind of like butterflies. A lot more like a, a boner. Uh, a boner right. Let's. You are a boner. I have to admit that none of the characters I particularly liked, but crucially, I don't think I was necessarily meant to like all of them. I found even the more sympathetic ones, like 
October or, or, or Frankie Munitz who plays, is it Spanky? Swink. <laughs> Spanky. <laughs> so, so it's not, what is it, Swanky? What's it? Swink. Swink. Okay, for some reason he's called Swink. Um, I think he's meant to be a bit was more sympathetic just by the fact that he's portrayed by Frankie Muniz. But he was <laughs> still kind of a annoying dickhead. He wore a base... He was wearing like a cashier's hat, you know, those sort of green visor things cashiers wear, backwards for some effing reason. I wonder if he is meant to be autistic. Really? Or because he's very... He should have outright said it to the camera. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know enough about these things, but the fact that he's very obsessed with specific details okay. and I feel like maybe some of the things that he's wearing are, like, kind of social coping mechanisms... Mm. Okay, I'll be I'll be generous and I'll give it that. I think maybe let's let's hope that's what he was mm. aiming for. Because boy, he's making choices. A lot of people in this film are making choices, but this is quite refreshing compared to uh, our last uh, week's film, where all the actors seem to be just not caring. Yeah, I would say that as much as maybe the gang are certain archetypes at least they're sort of distinct and not Mm. bland and i think that's the issue that most sort of slasher films have is that they're all a gang of very generically blandly sexy people and at least (laughs) blandly sexy is my thing and this is like just has a bit more character to the characters apart Mm. from like the two main ones because they're the bland ones so they must live yeah they must live they're the blandliest, sexliest. Sexliest isn't a word, but I'm rolling <laughs> with it. And rounding out the gang is Hutch's boss, but I guess like old colleague, mm. um, Miller, I think his name is, or Mills. Yeah. Played by Adam Goldberg. I guess I liked his performance in Two Days in Paris with Julie Delpy. That's a good movie. And I think it was in Fargo, the TV series, season one, at least. Mm. Yeah, quite like their relationship. He's the first... To, well, he's not really the first to die, but he's the first to die in this new iteration of the game. So you got to get their relation quite quick. And they've got a cute scene when they're helping each other out with video games a bit, aren't they? Yeah, he kind of gives Hutch the day off for helping him with a walkthrough and a video game they're playing. So I was wondering, though, if this film existed before or after Google or like game FAQs, because... It just there's a bit later on where a cop goes to investigate whether or not the Stay Alive video game exists, and he, he drives to a a mall and he goes to a video game store to ask the question, and he could have just googled it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, I'm sure there are other ways to go about it, and maybe it's just like he had something to pick up at the mall, and he thought, mm. well, I might as well do some detective work while I'm at it. Yeah. Although that particular detective does say that he used to be like the local Cuba champion. So, <laughs> you know, he knows what he's talking about to an extent. Um, we, we, this cop we're talking about, when Hutch is trying to convince the cops that the video game is evil, um, our hero Hutch and uh, the, the detective goes into the foreground to talk about this. And within like 30 seconds, the other cop, has created a character 
gone into the game, and I think the fucking intro to the game is like 30 seconds long, and then he's he's managed to kill himself. <laughs> he's managed to strap himself into a torture chair and have his head ripped in half. Yeah, it's being split open from the mouth outwards. <laughs> and um, he did that all within about 30 seconds, which is mightily impressive. <laughs> and lo and behold, in the car park of the small, he does meet his end in a similar way. Yeah, maybe we should do reverse speedruns where we try to die as quickly as possible. I could do that. <laughs> That's something in my I'm the only grasp. person who, who's managed to die while playing Dancing Stage Euromix. This <laughs> shouldn't happen. There's just a character twitching mm, on the floor. Just the most oh, terrible splits. Such graphic <laughs> detail. As, as you said, the sort of like commemorative to honour the life and I guess death of Loomis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hutch has inherited some of his stuff, mm-hmm. including uh, copies of his video games, and one does jump out, Stay Alive, as that was... <laughs> it's Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Stay Alive jumps out because that was the game he was playing when he died, because mm. he spoke to him on the phone, and so um, apparently, as they say, it was a game, it's sort of just in a uh, anonymous box, basically, with like Stay Alive written on in sharpie marker mm-hmm. pen or something in uh, the countess's handwriting yeah she loved a sharpie <laughs> yeah bold just text <laughs> glitter glue <laughs> <laughs> unicorn sticker in the corner there isn't that lovely yeah yeah so there's this idea that it wasn't like a proper release game has just mm. been beta tested uh so anyway to commemorate him they all gather around i guess hutch's apartment i mean first of all gamers commemorating somebody who's died in a game is is absolutely legit it's not unheard of um in fact recently a a star trek actor passed away aaron eisenberg and in star trek online all these players gathered in quark's bar on deep space nine and raised a glass to him yeah there was a touching story i think a few years ago where i think someone was talking about how they used to play a racing game with their dad and then their dad died, but they still had the ghost oh, data on his memory card. But it was nice because it meant that he could still race against his dad in this video game because the ghost saved the oh. driving of the of yeah. the car around the track, and it sort of it's like Speed Racer. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what very, happens in the was, film. Yeah, it's very touching. Oh god, that really oh it actually really upsets me. <laughs> but no, it's sweet. I understand, but it's really upsetting. Anyway, <laughs> oh gosh, you've got me really down now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so what they do, they, they set up like five computer screens that they can all play in the living room, and they say just before they turn it on, we don't know much about this game. We just know this is what he was playing when he died, but. You clearly are assuming it's like a multiplayer game, which yeah. all five of you can log in, because it'll be like just Sudoku or something. Yeah, I, I guess they have one copy of the game, which they somehow, I they must have copied and shared around, because mm. they got it running on five different screens, but also the boss character is playing it in his office. I guess you log into a server or something. I have to admit, my knowledge of online video game tech is probably as good as the writers of this film. A bit, yeah, a bit later on, Frankie Munitz is playing this game on his laptop, and I was just thinking, is 2006 wireless internet good enough to do that yet? Yeah. Uh, uh, 2006 possibly. was like 100 years ago. I have yeah. no idea. Hutch's apartment is distinctive in the fact that it has a 
huge billboard for the Katsuhiro Tomo animated movie Steam Boy. Mm-hmm. Just plonked there. I don't know whether its US release was distributed by the same company that made this film. I've no idea quite why it's there. Beautiful looking movie. Mm-hmm. What's it doing there? Well, I think the brief for the production designer was, these guys are geeks. And what do geeks like? Cartoons. Yeah, I was expecting more sort of just like geek paraphernalia tossed about. I guess there's licensing issues yeah, into what they the, had. that's the only one. I bet you it was from the same distribution company or something. That Buena Vista was releasing yeah, maybe Steam so. Boy in the country. Um, actually, you did have reminded me though, the one other time I remember seeing a bit of distortion in the background, you know how you mentioned the face over the shoulder. When they log into the game, there's a bit of distortion behind him going mm. past the Steam Boy poster. So maybe there's a little bit more in that than we noticed. Speaking a little bit about video games and slasher films, uh, I recently played Until Dawn, mm-hmm. which is a choice-based horror game where you play as a bunch of teen characters in a big house up in the mountains and there's snow and there's a killer on the loose and you have to make certain choices in certain situations and your relationships change with the characters that you're with and it's a game where all the characters can potentially die if you make the wrong choice at the Mm. wrong time etc and uh, it's got Rami Malek in it, Academy Award winner, playing mm. a character in it. There's a little motion capture, etc. He, he looks a bit like a video game character. And uh, Hayden Panettiere from Heroes as well. Mm. And the same developers recently released uh, Man of Medan. And they're releasing a series of sort of episodic games called the Dark Pictures Anthology. And again, it's sort of choice-based horror game style things. But the innovation of that title is that they have created a party multiplayer horror movie night mode where you each play as a different character but you pass the controller around Mm -hmm. from each other so you know one of your friends could be really bad at video games and their character dies instantly or you know you can make choices together etc and uh yeah that's kind of fun and i imagine that stay alive felt a little bit like that in some ways. It's like a horror game and, you know, play together and make the choices and see who lives. They do go into this blind. <laughs> yeah. They don't uh, even read the manual. They don't read the <laughs> manual. Um, they create their characters in record time because I spend maybe 14 hours deciding on my character, <laughs> like <laughs> name and look and where I want that scar. They never have quite the right haircut. But they get characters look like... Frankie Muniz's exact same hat is in the game, which is kind of impressive. Um, Well done, the ghost of Elizabeth Bathory, for creating a very (laughs) detailed character customization screen. I guess the thing, did she do the fucking codes? (laughs) Like, what is she? What? I mean, I guess if you're stuck up a tower for 200 years with nothing but the... I don't know, the dummy's guide to indie games for company. She probably does. All I'm saying is very pro women in the games industry, mm. making sure that girls get interested in engineering, in computing, in coding from mm. an early age so that they can 
create a more balanced industry going forward. And murder a bunch of pricks via their video <laughs> game. In order to start the game, they have to read aloud a passage, the prayer of Elizabeth, which appears on the screen, mm. which is some sort of poem. And Swink says, voice activation is next generation technology. And I guess we're in the next generation. And there mm. is voice activation. You can say like Xbox, do this. PlayStation, do this. Um, I did really like this this part of the film, though. In, in slasher films, in horror films, quite often... There is, there's very rigid rules and there's often a transgression that they do. And the transgression in this is reading the incantation. And uh, yeah, I know they're doing it unknowingly, but when they finish reading it and the text disappears and they enter the game, I was like, I got a bit of a chill. I'm like, oh, they're, they're in for it now. Mm. They shouldn't have done that. They've been marked for death. Mm. Actually, later on, though, October does say despairingly to Hutch, why did you bring this game into the house? Like, like he freaking knew that he had brought a possessed video game into the house. That was a bit unfair, October. It's funny because, like, her own brother, Finn, was the one who was sort of picking mm. out the game and pushing to play it. And he's, like, really keen to get on because he says, can we skip this bullshit cinematic foreplay? I want to butter this muffin. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably the best line in the film which is really upsetting as well it's both the best and the worst <laughs> i'm gonna use that tomorrow in polite company see how it works welcome if you're listening to this it means you've made a grave mistake you spoke the words and soon you will die for it at this very moment the evil of this place courses through your veins you have been marked for death your choice has brought you here, to Garouge Plantation. 200 years ago, Countess Elizabeth Bathory opened Garouge as a finishing school for young girls. Garouge. You've heard of it? Yeah, do you remember that Grandma used to tell us that if we didn't get home before dark, we'd get taken off by yeah, something? Yeah, uh, do you remember Grandma used to wear panties on the outside? Seriously, though, I, I know this. You guys have heard this story. What happened to those girls was so depraved that all accounts were stricken from public record. The evil of Garouge has been reborn. Your salvation lies beyond the gates of this plantation. Your only chance is this. Uncover the horrible truth about Garouge Plantation and stop the evil. But in order to do that, you must stay alive. It's here that they learn of the Countess Elizabeth Bathory because mm. it is cutscenes and there is some explanation of the game and the fact that this is taking place on the Garouge plantation and suddenly zombie ghost children appear and they shoot one of them and then they get told that if you drop a rose it will help you stay alive and these roses become both a way to defeat ghosts, as mm -hmm. well as maybe like a save point or checkpoint or a place you can respawn later. I, I, I'm not well, quite I, sure. I don't think anyone respawns. That's the whole point of this <laughs> game. Oh, yeah. If, <laughs> if you, you die can, in the you, game, you, you, you respawn. respawn. Oh, God. There's a whole film where people die in real life and respawn. That's <laughs> a, a sequel they could do. Um, yeah, the Rose thing is, is a method of a defense against evil. And it's... Very video gamey, I suppose. It's kind of cute, but it's still a little bit funny when people, when an evil ghost later on is defeated by someone throwing roses at it. 
It's a little bit dull. It's not exactly Ghostbusters. It feels a bit anime. Mm. There's lots of roses in anime, and I feel like just like people just elegantly throwing roses at ghosts and making them disappear is something beautiful and melancholic. Mm. But as well as roses, they can also just shoot a graveyard full of zombie children. Oh, yeah. As well, they just go and blasting all these little zombie children running around screaming at them. But this this little playthrough, it does end in one of the characters dying. Uh, this is, what is the boss's, boss man's name again? Miller. Yeah, so Miller's the first to kick the bucket. He gets uh, stabbed in the neck by um, some, some shears. And... Being held by the Countess. It's not just floating shears. Yeah, he should have walked into those shears. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they decided that's it for today. But Miller, he's been playing in his office... And he's alone in his office at night. And that's a creepy setting, being on your own in a, in a tower block. I actually find tower blocks in general quite creepy and upsetting. I just look at... I live in this city and when I see... I look up and I think there's a person right at the top of that building. I get a bit vertigo-y. What, at what story... At what floor of a building do you start getting scared? Um, like the first... Say we're going up on the elevator and it's like, level mm. one. <laughs> Level two. Oh, don't. Level three. I don't actually have vertical. Level four. It's more like the volume of Level people. Level five. Why are you talking to yourself? Level six. <laughs> level um, seven. Stop it. Okay. Level seven. <laughs> Harry can only get up to level seven of a building. I need, and a, I need a paper bag. Out. I need to be able to breathe again. Yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good creepy setting to have something just out of the corner of your eye move. And you just think, oh, maybe I'm not on my own anymore. He's hearing the vibrating yes. noise, and he th- you know, thinks it's just his controller vibrating, but it has that kind of... Yeah. And, um, you know, the cinematography in this is pretty good. And when the, his hand is reaching out towards the camera and then drops on a vibrating controller, you know, I, I think that builds the tension. And as he lifts up in the background, a dark spectre appears in the background and... Uh, and then he dies. And you, you, I guess either because of the PG rating or the PG-13 rating, you, you don't see the attack, at least in this scene. But the next day, it is clear he was killed in exactly the same way. By an evil spooky CG ghost. <laughs> With Miller dead, characters... <laughs> it's Miller's time. It was Miller's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all understandably, a little bit freaked out. Finn, not so much. He wants to just keep on playing. He understands that it's a big coinkydink that all this stuff is happening to those who play the game. But he's also sort of adamant to see it through and works out that the Blood Countess doesn't like mirrors, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's like a thing. And he spies a ghost horse and carriage in the mirror in the game. And there's this little montage which is sort of Final Destination reminiscent where it sort of cuts between the different characters and they're all doing things which could be considered a little bit precarious. Mm. Like a very close look at uh, Hutch shaving his neck, for instance, like he's going to cut himself or something. Swink is hacking into the game or something and all this blood starts emerging from the keyboard. And October sees like a ghost in the reflection of her coffee barista machine mm. maybe so weird weird premonitions or visions yeah they talked earlier about perceptive reality and how i guess the game is bleeding into the real world or vice versa or something it's not really 
very clear exactly how and why. But, you know, it, ghost films don't have to really explain themselves. They're messing with your perception of reality. So, um, yeah, I guess it's fair game. So they all arrange to meet up, but Finn is not there. He's off driving on his own in his sports car. But then suddenly all this mist appears and the trees start to turn like the trees in the game. And then Mm. a ghost girl appears in the road and he swerves to try and miss and stops just before it hits a tree. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit that tree, (laughs) does it? Um, I liked how things just, the atmosphere changes and it makes things seem spooky and a bit unnatural. So this is what confuses me slightly because he says he's on the phone at the same time and he says that um, his, his colleagues, his friends, I should say, Uh, are telling him he's going to be okay because he hasn't died in the game yet. But then we learned that he did die in the game. Is that correct? Or is it that... I think or the the game is playing itself. That's another thing they say. It's a bit... It seems a bit inconsistent. But then later on, they sort of explain it away that the game, yes, is playing itself. It's running itself. So even if you pause the game, it's like you've paused your activity, but the game is still going to kill you. Mm. whether you like it or not it's like when we put the dvd in it suddenly started playing the movie without us pressing play on the remote control Mm. it was like the film wanted to be watched like when you're trying to watch the credits on a netflix show and then after about two seconds it does (laughs) the next episode and i wanted to watch the credits i'm pretty good at doing the grab for the controller as soon as Mm. the skip credits uh i'm always fumbling for it i always start the next episode um, Tragedy of modern life. Yeah. Speaking of modern life, Hutch does manage to find photos and autopsy reports online. He finds pretty explicit photos of his dead friend mm. online within days, and it did seem a slightly strange. The dark web. But Finn is hit by a ghost carriage. That does happen. <laughs> Got real um, woman in black vibes from this film, because that story involves uh, carriages and horses whinnying in the in the distance and then not in the distance as i run you over (laughs) yeah (laughs) i did find it funny how finn's friends okay they hear that he dies and then they go looking for him and seem to be the only the only other car which has ever traveled down this road because he's lying spread eagled in the middle of the road with his blood all over the place and it's like so no other car or maybe loads of cars drove past this dead man in the road. Yeah, they shouldn't be the first people to the scene of the crime. But they were. It's a bit suspicious. I mean, the cops are probably right to be suspicious because there's a sort of subplot halfway through where all the cops think they'd done it. Because if he... I was on a killing spree, the first thing I'd do is tell everyone that a ghost from a computer game was doing it. Later on, October says, angrily, she says, somebody ran my brother down. In a horse-drawn carriage. The fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but who made this game? As we mentioned in the deleted scenes, they actually do meet the game developer, at least in the director's cut. This when version we watched, not so lucky. But they go back to Loomis's house and find the address of the game developers. But while they're there, October is outside having a smoke and then she sees a shadow and she follows it into a building site Hmm. and there's a sequence where she finds some chains on the floor 
And she's also read this book which says that in order to defeat the Countess that you need three nails, one through the heart, one through the neck and one through the forehead. And an undead soul can only be cleansed by burning its blood. She's the goth one, remember? <laughs> it seems like she probably has this material to hand. Just the a Lady bookshelf. Bird, the Ladybird Book of Goths. <laughs> the Ladybird Book of Witches. <laughs> she arms herself, but then she swaps the hammer and nails for a nail gun, which I guess is a modern update. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she encounters the Blood Countess, fires some nails at it through the nail gun, and don't work because you're a ghost you'll see through yeah I think this is like the first sort of big reveal isn't it it's like oh yes this is a film where we'll see the ghost in right now (laughs) (laughs) right now I did write in my notes that I had no idea how much film was left at this bit because I think it's down to this sort of stop starty nature of of this this cut of the film yeah it's pretty brisk the version we watched is only about an hour and 22 minutes. Yeah, it moves at a fair clip. So, uh, yeah, it seemed to be building to a crescendo really quickly. Yeah, offing its characters mm-hmm. without much regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she gets hung up by some chains, tells the ghost to go fuck herself, and uh, then has her throat slit by some shears. And that's the end of October. Mm. Halloween. <laughs> Um, Halloween is at the end of October. Yes, I get it, I get it. <laughs> October 31st. <laughs> the last day of October. Ooh, spooky Halloween. Our last so three characters approach this plantation, which is um, turns out to be the address where the game was developed. Um, I think Frankie Muniz's character, I keep wanting to call him Swink. Yes, that's hey. right. Not Spanky. Not Spanky. Uh, Swink. Um, it's such a terrible name. How do you get the nickname Swink? I mean, honestly. I don't know if that was in the director's cut. Swink? Maybe his, maybe it is his Christian name. Maybe <laughs> yeah. he was christened Swink. If you've been christened Swink, please get in touch. <laughs> but Swink decides to enter the game voluntarily to sort of distract the ghost because that he knows the rules. <laughs> I think he sort of says that the game is called Stay Alive, so you kind of need to play it in order to stay alive. Mm. That's his reasoning anyway. you got to be part of the game, man. You've got to uh, be in it to win it. Mm. But this creates a fun little bit, because as our heroes are going around the house, they discover the house is identical to the house in the game, and somehow Swink can help out the real world via game. They encounter a locked door, Swink can unlock it. Uh, the hero requires a crowbar, and Swink... Drops a crowbar on the stairs in front of Hutch, so it's kind of a bit fun. It reminded me a bit of uh, Bill and Ted's mm. excellent adventure. How they say, in order to get out of a jam, they say, "Well, once we're done, we'll go back in time and set it up so we can fix it later." And it's mm. like, "Hey, presto! Yes. thank you, future uses." Perfect, perfect watertight reasoning there as well. It definitely, definitely would happen. There is. A line, I think, later on where one of the characters says, this can't be happening. And it's very much, I think, a phrase they say three or four times in this film. Yeah, I noticed that. This can't be real. It's like, I can't believe that worked. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, explain it away. (laughs) I feel like it's something that they didn't really fully exploit. The could have been the big finale. It could have been the big finale using the mix of the real world and the fantastical world. 
Um, Maybe that would have been a bit too Spy Kids 3D game over. Oh, God, no, I don't want to watch that film again. (laughs) (laughs) Swing, Abigail's in trouble. I need to get upstairs. Which way do I go? Uh, You can go inside, but it's faster to take the staircase around the side. It's locked. It's locked. I need a, I need a crowbar or something. Do you see one on the step? You gotta be kidding me. So, Swink is helping out Hutch and Abigail because... <laughs> that sounds like a cartoon. <laughs> Swink is helping out Hutch. Uh, because Abigail's been exploring the house as well and she's found i guess what you could assume to be like this development studio or the (laughs) you know the production design thing because it's got creepy dolls and maggots everywhere it's the creepy doll and maggot room every house should have one Mm. and she finds paraphernalia she finds painting of elizabeth and uh she finds elizabeth's diary which isn't so much a diary as just a list of all the girls she killed but she kept them in a sort of like i know accounts jotter pad or something just like fifth of june Mm -hmm. killed jessica she has drained blood had Mm -hmm. bath (laughs) (laughs) she has to kill them in alphabetical order as well otherwise it all gets messed up yeah gotta have a system gotta have a system system. curly whirly elizabeth hurley This is, I, they missed the trick. I don't think we found any bathtubs with blood in it, but then we are talking a couple of hundred years ago. She must stink if she's not had a bath for a while. <laughs> That's why they walled her up in a tower. Mm. Not mm. for all the killings. Pooey! <laughs> she's just a bit whiffy. Mm. Is blood really good to bathe in? I mean, I assume she bathed in blood and then she had to have a wash afterwards. Yes, yeah, you know, I just... Well, to be honest, having a bath in regular water is actually pretty disgusting. You have to shower after that because it's yeah. just dirty water, isn't it? So, dirty blood. We need a modern retelling of the Elizabeth Bathory myth, mm-hmm. but with a power shower. Yeah, and matey bubble bath <laughs> in a blood bath. But Abigail gets trapped and she gets attacked by ghosts and cockroaches land on her face. But with... Hutch and Swink combining their forces in the game world and in the real world. They throw roses everywhere and defeat the evil. It is better in the film than Rory said it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually all right. Yeah, it is just throwing a bunch of roses at ghosts. <laughs> in a nutshell, that's the film. When we saw this um, DVD box depicting manacled hands in some sort of Hellraiser-style torture chamber, I didn't think... They'd solve their problems by chucking roses at at it. The original title of this film was Rose Chuckers. <laughs> Rose Chuckers. But it's all crescendos, I suppose. Um, how does it, though? <laughs> it's like I've forgotten. Can you see Harry rapidly losing interest, oh, sanity, it's, and it's tiredness? What's the time? It is half past 1am. Mm. How does this film end, though, Rory? Hutch and Abigail head to the tower the Countess's Tower, through the cemetery, the cemetery matching the cemetery from the video games, and they are armed with loads of wild roses, and they've got 
yeah. nails and a you, hammer. You know that scene in Commando where he tools up with grenades and rocket launchers. This is they do the same thing here, but they just raid a flower bed. Yeah, and stuff their bag full of roses. But they come in handy because they enter the catacombs, I think, in order to get to the tower. They are assaulted in the catacombs at various points by ghosts, which they throw their roses at. Yes, they encounter lots of creepy crawly kids, and they find the torch chamber, but Abigail gets trapped. Hutch has to go it alone, and Abigail is captured and strung up by a ghost. I guess not the Countess's ghost, because Hutch goes and sees the Countess's body. Yeah, so the body, the whole thing is that the... The Countess's actual physical body has been trapped inside this tower. It looks in very good nick for being 200 years old or something. But then she is, like, evil. So... Well, she bathed in all that blood. I know, no. She's still she's still fresh. So, if you want to leave a beautiful corpse, just make sure you bathe yeah. in blood. If, if you get your life advice purely from cinema, this is the film to get it from. Yes, Hunch finds the body... And per the instructions, he hammers a nail into her heart, hammers a nail into her... Well, I wrote down neck, but he does it in her hand, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, three body parts. Pick and choose what you like. It's like operation. You can just hammer a nail into his face and fits him. <laughs> Be good if she went... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's almost the noise she makes, the little buzzing noise. Mm. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not vibrating controllers. Maybe it's not some sort of intercepted signal from beyond the grave. It's literally, you're the doctor, it's so much fun to play. <laughs> Someone keeps zipping her funny bone. Mm. That's the, it'd be good if she had a light-up nose, which would be red. <laughs> So the ghost that's attacking Abigail dissipates as soon as he nails all their uh, nails into the body. And yet she rises Just from cause. Just cause. Because it's a horror film. Yeah, gotta do that. But luckily Hutch is armed with a reflective laptop. Alienware laptop. <laughs> a nice Alienware branded laptop. Do you think that's why she's like screaming? Not because she hates mirrors, but she just doesn't like Alienware branded yeah, she's never Gaming. seen an alien. <laughs> it's like, she's freaked out. They didn't have aliens in the 18th century. No, they had God. <laughs> the original alien. The original alien. <laughs> it's time to burn the blood. But the thing is, is that Hutch has passed trauma. Mm. And when he was younger, his dad was abusive and thought that his mother was cheating on him. So set the house ablaze, and the mother died, but he just couldn't do anything. He couldn't act. He couldn't stop his dad from killing his mum and burning the whole house. And he has burn marks and a scar, and there's flashbacks to him crying while his NES controller melts Mm. in the flames, which is fairly tragic. Pretty traumatic, yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of redundant because, like, yes... He sets fire to the Countess and the whole place is burning up and he has these flashbacks and he sort of like just sits and waits to die as a result. But we really don't need this backstory. You could just be like, oh shit, fire. No one likes fire. It's not like, oh, I'm afraid of fire. Like it's a specific trauma that, you know, if the whole building's burning up, 
you're not going to have a good time out of it. No, I suppose. I guess it's to make him a bit more sympathetic because he's boring otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really if it wasn't for care your, for Hutch. If it wasn't for your tragic backstory, Hutch, you'd be really boring. Mm. What, you mean when my parents died in the fire? Yeah, if you were, if you had, if your parents hadn't died in the fire, you'd just, you'd just be boring. It's the most interesting thing about you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought Frankie Munitz had died. Not the not the actor. <laughs> I thought his character Swink. Yeah, his character Swink died because he died in the game. But I guess he's got a bit of a grace period between dying in the game and dying in real life because he helps rescue Abigail and helps rescue Hutch. I think what happened was was that he was being chased and he ran into a big rose bush. And then he was oh. attacked, but maybe because he was covered in roses, he defeated the evil. Because when he reappears, he just has a huge bunch of roses with him, not like a kind mm. of like a dozen red roses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fortunate that the one weakness of this ghost is is growing in <laughs> all over the place. Yes, in her grounds. Supply. I mean, it's a plantation. Are we to is it could is there such a thing as a rose plantation? I don't know. No. I, I think we're meant to assume that this may be. There's in New Orleans. There's like slave maybe plantation. a slave plantation or something. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's one of those things where don't make something so plentiful and easy to procure your one weakness. Mm. I don't know. Gravity can is a pretty deadly weakness sometimes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Depends how high up a building you are. (laughs) Sorry. So, there's a scene at the end, isn't there? Our heroes escape. But there's a scene at the end where the dorky, geeky, ridiculously haired um, video game store guy opens boxes of the new game, Stay Alive. And it's a real, like, what the fuck ending... Hey, it's gone gold. It's, it's but like in stores now, and Game Informer is featuring it on their front cover. It's just madness, actually, because because like I can just about forgive this idea that somehow this evil countess has created a game disc which goes out into the world, but now she's in mass production and she's sending. Review copies to Game Informer. <laughs> She's got a real good PR team behind her. Yeah. Good publicity. Managed to get on the front cover of and Game Informer magazine and like, have uh, your game on display in hmm, game shops. The E3 booth and things. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, like, just in a nutshell, the microcosm, the editor of Game Informer says, let's do a front page feature on this game. Have we gone to interview the staff? No. Do we know where it came from? No. <laughs> it came in a box. <laughs> We're doing the whole feature about it. It's it's just... And, you know, what makes it doubly frustrating is that it does make the actions of the heroes seem entirely redundant. They didn't stop it. They did, they did nothing. Maybe they did because they still defeated the corpse of... Elizabeth, and they did still get rid of ghosts with roses. But so, if everyone plays it now, is it going to still happen to them? Because I guess the curse has been lifted to an extent. The, 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 the vibe that the ending gives certainly seems to want to give you the whole oh shit ending. Yeah. Where, for sure. oh, she's, she's alive and staring out the window. Ooh, because there's like this the last shot of the film is back 
above the House of the Dead style plantation house and goes up to the tower and she's staring at the tower looking all CGI and creepy. You didn't care for the ending. <laughs> but I guess if they have lifted the curse, then maybe people can actually finally play that game and not die. Mm. 7 out of 10. Yeah, 7 out of 10 is what I was going to say. Uh, um, maybe our heroes decided to make the game for real. They became developers. Yeah, it could, it could be the uh, one of the multiple Bandersnatch endings. Yes, the vibe I got. Come to me, clouds. We rise as an evil storm born to rip them open. Let the cover of night bear witness and strength to resist the shining up. Let the blood of many cleanse me, serving beauty to me. I pray. You know, I did quite enjoy my time with this. It helps that it's brisk. It helps that it's it's just like trying to be a, a horror slasher ghost movie type thing. So it's a bit of a, a grab bag of stuff. But it's just nice not to do an action adventure for a change, <laughs> to be honest. The characters, you, you are right, they're a bit distinct. The acting quality is quite variable, but just about past muster for what they need to do just to be just to turn suddenly and scream as the camera rushes towards them i as i've said i i quite enjoy the tone the ghost house nature of it and um it's a very unique setup i think in in the whole the cg monsters bleeding into the real world and they don't really ever go oh my god that cg monsters bending into the real world it really is just it's just there it is Look at the polygon count on that ghost. Yeah, it's just... I think there's this air of disquiet where you're not quite sure what's going on. (laughs) But I believe... That's a strength, not a weakness. I believe in this this time it is intentional. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate a film for being just just doing something a little bit different. But um, I can see that the logistical parts of the film, like the acting and stuff lets it down a bit but um yeah i I did enjoy my time with with stay alive i think hardcore horror fans or whatever you want to call them may be less forgiving of this sort of film because it doesn't deliver real frights or real gore or whatever they want from this kind of movie i quite liked the fact that it was sort of a tamer version of those things I didn't mind the fact that it was necessarily cut to shreds. I'm sure if I'd seen the director's cut, the unrated version or whatever before this one, I would have still enjoyed it the same. It doesn't matter necessarily, I think, which version you watch because I think there's still the core elements that I find appealing will exist in both versions. And I think what the strength of the film is, is that it does, it's a video game movie, which understands video games and knows how to depict them to an extent up until maybe the very end as you say with the whole stay alive launch release (laughs) um however that game manifested itself yes so there are issues with the film but i think it's um pretty amiable and and pretty enjoyable and i think it's maybe a little bit overlooked. It's not going to be anyone's favourite anything. 
<laughs> oh. But I think it's uh, it's worth a watch if the concept appeals. Mm. So that might be us closing the lid on our October uh, horror releases, but we're not quite out of the woods yet. Uh, what is the next film we're going to do for Games on Film? We are going to be tackling, I guess, is it a sequel? Is it a follow-up? Is it a reboot? Not sure. Haven't watched it yet. It's director streaming. <laughs> it's director streaming DVD Blu-ray. It is Doom Annihilation on the next episode of the podcast. Mm, we did the first Doom movie for our, I think, third episode. Yeah, yeah. And so going to be nice to return to the depths of hell. <laughs> or the mountains of Mars. Mountains of Mars um, for this uh, brand new Doom movie. In the meantime, how can people keep up with games and film? You can find our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast, where you'll find all sorts of information about video game movies, links to all the episodes, as well as ways you can support the show. You can also find us on social media at gamesonfilmpod. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod, at gmail.com. Please share this show with your friends, your family, anyone you think might be interested in video games, movies, and indeed video game movies. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever possible. We're available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, all the stuff. And you can contact me on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for Games on Film was composed by David Lightfoot. Do you have anything to plug, Harry? <laughs> Don't really want to talk about my Star Trek Instagram reviews still. Um, why not? Look at for only man who can on Instagram and the hashtag make it only man who can where I'm talking Star Trek The Next Generation. Great. <laughs> And you can find Gamer Disco on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. That's the video game and music club nights in and around London that I help run. And if you want to play some games, listen to some tunes and have just good old jolly fun times for all. <laughs> over the age of 18, that is. Then look us up. Harry, well done for staying alive. Congratulations, Rory, for you staying alive. Thank you. Lovely. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. I hope you enjoyed listening to our Stay Alive ramblings. And I hope you listening are also still alive. I hope you are not dead. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.